In today's episode of Crypto Over Coffee, I'm sharing with you the latest analysis on whether crypto has officially exited the bear market as BTC, ETH, and altcoins surged in the wake of new inflation data earlier this week. But that's not all. We're talking about passive staking income, a huge Ethereum merge update, Chainlink's secret weapon for a market comeback, and a 404 logic not found segment in the world of Bitcoin, all of which is brought to you by my friends at Masari and their mainnet crypto conference, but more on that later. That said, you know the drill. Grab yourself a coffee, make sure you are subscribed, and stick around for the whole episode. And please beware of scammers. I will not reach out to you on social media or in the YouTube comments. Cheers. So my friends, are we out of the bear market? Let's talk about this for a second. After the latest consumer price index or CPI numbers, a commonly accepted measure of inflation, flash lower than the peak of around 9.1%, Bitcoin, Ether, and a large swath of the crypto markets responded almost immediately with significant jumps in price. Now, if you mosey on up to the top of Mount Transitory here on the inflation graph, it seems that we may have peaked on this inflation metric as we dipped back to July's reported 8.5% CPI number. And that's generally a more bullish sign for the broader risk asset markets. Inflation seems to be coming down. We went from 9.1 to 8.5. That said, let's be realistic. The battle against inflation is far from over because while we've come down from the peak, it's still pretty bad out there in terms of cost of living driven by common goods. People are still struggling and the Federal Reserve is far from its goal of 2% for inflation metrics. Until that goal is all but achieved, I don't see the macroeconomic drivers like rate hikes and balance sheet tapering to stop, let alone reverse course to money printing and the like, which is what people would call a, a bullish thing. What this could mean, though, is that the never-ending onslaught of sell-offs in crypto may start to diminish and that the worst of the bear market is over as things start to stabilize. What this doesn't mean, though, to me, is that the bear market is over and that it's only up from here. We could very well revisit prices in the low 20Ks or even the high 10Ks, so be prepared for that. In reality, 8.5% inflation and an impending recession does not seem like bull market conditions to me. Inflation is in reality higher in practice than these numbers even state. And those are just some things we have to contend with. There are also some wild cards in play because assets from the growing list of insolvent, defunct crypto lenders and funds may yet be liquidated into the markets, causing some sell pressure yet again for a lot of assets. That could take a while and it could happen slowly rather than all at once, but it's worth noting nonetheless. We could also very well see a reversal of the improving inflation measures, breaking the opposite way of what everyone thinks will be a downtrend in inflation, and that could send the markets into another panic. It's really critical to hedge against these and other very real risks to the narrative that the worst of the bear market is over or that we are done with the bear market just because there's a rally. Still, there are some positive indicators out there that we could see Bitcoin, Ether, and some altcoins doing well in the coming weeks and months in a sustained rally. First, you have the Ethereum merge that is undoubtedly going to drive continued excitement and speculation. More on that later. Second, you have the entry of BlackRock with a private trust offering for spot Bitcoin, as well as their partnership with Coinbase to offer institutions broad crypto exposure over time. Those are both potential catalysts to watch out for on the positive side. So it's a balancing act. There are even analysts that believe Bitcoin, for example, can shift from a risk asset to a risk off asset that's appealing during a recession and bear market. 
One of those analysts, Mike McGlone, a senior commodity strategist at Bloomberg, shared his thoughts about that whole idea in a recent podcast or interview on Cointelegraph, stating, I quote, I fully expect we're going to have a pretty severe recession globally, which probably will make Bitcoin shine, along with gold and U.S. Treasury long bonds. What do you think, though? Leave a comment or tweet me at Hashoshi for letting you know, letting me know, excuse me, whether or not you think that Bitcoin in particular can shift into a safe haven asset like gold is or if it's always going to be a risk asset. The bottom line to take away is this. A rally is not a bull run. There's no guarantee that we just go up from here. And then when you see consensus and euphoria in the market, that's usually when the air starts to come out of the sales. So position yourself wisely because the short answer is no, I don't think we are out of the bear market in my opinion. And one quick note as well before we move on, due to popular demand, I'm bringing back the Q&A section of the show that will come at the end of the show. It's going to be here today, so make sure you stick around. But please leave your questions in the YouTube comments or send me a tweet at Hishoshi4 and I'll pick some to highlight and answer on next week's show. Just a quick reminder, the questions are ones you guys ask. I'm not coming up with them. In other news, the US-based crypto retirement account provider iTrust Capital, who allows uh, U.S. crypto investors to open a cryptocurrency individual retirement account or IRA to trade crypto in a tax advantaged account just announced a major new feature upgrade that both new and existing users will definitely be interested in hearing about. That feature is none other than the highly requested and hotly anticipated staking features. As of this past week, iTrust Capital began a drive to onboard users into the first beta staking program for iTrust Capital IRAs for Polkadot, which means that those holding DOT in a staking-enabled iTrust Capital IRA account will likely be able to earn some reasonable yield on their staked DOT in that account without any action needed on behalf of the user to set up the staking or to set up a wallet, etc. If you yourself want to sign up and check this out, I have left a link in the description to iTrust Capital. Now, the staking news is big in multiple ways. First, it is the first instance that I know of of staking yield in an IRA format, meaning you're opening yourself up to multiple forms of growth for your retirement savings in an ideal world where the asset goes up and you're earning on staking. Second, it's the first of hopefully many different stakeable assets on the platform with Cardano ADA, Cosmos Atom, Chainlink Link coming to mind as future additions to this, the staking program. The limit, the, there are no limits here. I've got more info though, by the way, on uh, Link News. So make sure you stick around to listen for that news in particular. Anyway, I'm personally going to be joining the ranks of dot stakers in my very own iTrust Capital IRA, where I already had a pretty hefty long-term allocation in dot. You guys are well aware of that. And it bears repeating. There is risk involved in using any custodial crypto service like this, both in the sense that your crypto is held by someone else, not your keys, not your crypto. And because, of course, crypto can always go down, not just up. So make sure you are aware of the risk and you'll also be able to earn more yield by staking on your own in self-custody. So just make sure you know the trade-offs before moving forward with iTrust Capital and any custodial service with or without staking. Now, I do also want to take a moment to remind you to check out the Mainnet Crypto Conference that's running from September 21st to September 23rd in New York City, hosted by the crypto research company Masari. The Mainnet Conference will bring 4,000 plus crypto builders and thought leaders together to dive deep into the industry's current state and project the future of Web3. At the conference, you get a chance to network with some of the foremost voices in the crypto space like Charles Hoskinson, as well as sit in for awesome keynotes from folks like Stani Kuleshov, founder of Ave Companies. So if you want to attend Mainnet, you can get 
$300 off of your pass today by visiting www.mainnet.events and entering the promo code Hashoshi at checkout. Again, that is the promo code Hashoshi. Link is in the description. And here we are, my friends. The time has arrived. We are on the brink of the Ethereum merge that will see Ethereum move from proof-of-work consensus to proof-of-stake a generational change to the current king of decentralized applications. You can't dispute that. Ethereum is still the king right now, even though gas fees suck. In the latter hours of Wednesday evening, the final major testnet merge event was successfully completed on Ethereum, moving the popular Gourley testnet from proof of work to proof of stake in the final dry run for the main event, the mainnet merge. This is significant because it marks the last of several test merge events on public test networks that emulate the public Ethereum network in many ways. It's about as good a test of what to expect in mainnet as anything else. And Gourley especially is a really powerful test. The successful result of the Gourley merge means that roundabout September 15th, 2022 timeframe is going to be on for the mainnet merge and it's likely to materialize that way. So it's already seemed to have an impact on an Ether's price, seeing it rise to the brink of $2,000 again. And there's much ado made about some of the negative stuff like a reorganization or reorg reported on Gourley post merge, but I'd like to quell some concerns there. A reorg, for those who aren't familiar, is basically when a blockchain splits into a temporary fork with multiple blocks agreed upon at around the same time. What then happens is the longest chain or the fork that has the next appended block chosen by miners is one that becomes the canonical or official fork, the main chain. And transactions in the now orphaned blocks in the shortest chain are queued up again for inclusion in another block, so they're invalidated. While the specific circumstances that precipitated a reorg here post-merge for Gourley were slightly different than normal day-to-day -day operations, reorgs happen all the time in public chains and are resolved by the protocol itself rather quickly, as it was here. So there's no indication whatsoever that this is an issue. In fact, I consider this a positive outcome because it shows that without intervention, Ethereum post-merge can resolve a reorg like this. This is why you test things, to see how it reacts when stuff like this happens. So from my perspective, it looks like all systems go. Houston, we don't have a problem for mainnet merge, which is certainly a big step for Ethereum and Ether investors. Now, a project whose success is in many ways inextricably linked to Ethereum, Chainlink, has had a rough go of it lately, right? However, there is a potential catalyst now for a resurgence or return to form for the Oracle project that seeks to bring real-world data to smart contracts, and that is the much-anticipated launch of staking and delegation for the native cryptocurrency Link. Now, Chainlink has launched their Oracle technologies as well as smart contract tooling like automation, keepers, verifiable randomness, all across the crypto ecosystem. But one thing that's always been missing in action from the original roadmap is staking of Link as an economic security mechanism and reputation mechanism for the Chainlink Oracle network. However, that is now about to change finally because later this year, the first iteration of that staking and delegation functionality will be launched, creating new utility for the native Link token and completely changing the economic security model of Chainlink Oracles. In essence, Link that is delegated to Chainlink nodes by community members will serve as a reputation system and economic lever to ensure the best performing Chainlink nodes thrive and act in the interests of the network, the best interests of the network, doing a good job by providing data. 
More specifically, Chainlink nodes with more delegated stake from users will have a higher overall reputation score and be more likely to be awarded data jobs that come into the Chainlink network. And to keep this delegation, that Chainlink node will need to perform its duties efficiently and avoid being penalized and losing staked assets with slashing for poor performance or malicious activity. This incentivizes good behavior and performance and disincentivizes the opposite, aligning the incentives for users and Chainlink nodes respectively. In fact, users are incentivized to place their vote by delegation by receiving rewards for doing so. In the short term, rewards will come from Chainlink's treasury, and in the long term, purportedly it will come from network fees, all from data jobs in its entirety, so it will be a self-sustaining network of incentives and rewards. It is unclear, however, when the final full version of Chainlink staking and delegation will come to fruition, but we should see a limited beta here before the close of 2022, meaning 2023 looks positive for a, a candidate for launch of the full launch of the, the staking services. But now, my friends, you know what time it is. It is 4.04. That is 4.04 Logic Not Found, a firecracker of a segment on the show where we bring attention to illogical happenings in the crypto space and abroad. And if you want to help this show get some attention as well, please hit like, get subscribed, follow the podcast, share the show with your friends. Whatever you can do is much appreciated. And the subject of today's illogical showcase is the increasingly concerning trend of Bitcoin maximalists ramping up aggressive rhetoric, views, and actions that divide the community more and more and more week after week, month after month. In fairness, it's actually not just Bitcoin maxis, but all kinds of maximalists in the crypto community, but that's a different story for another day. What started as a philosophical belief that Bitcoin is the only truly valuable implementation of a decentralized digital currency network has now become a crusade to label, devalue, and eliminate any alternative to Bitcoin through any means necessary. You have Bitcoin maximalist communities literally laughing at people and bashing people who got burned in the insolvency cases at Celsius, Voyager, etc. You have Bitcoin maximalists lobbying for Ethereum and other proof-of-stake protocol assets to be labeled as a security and or banned and more. It's gotten to the point where established and respected Bitcoin community members have started to speak out against this concerning trend, like Matt Corallo, a contributor to the Bitcoin Core protocol over the years. So this person knows Bitcoin really well and has contributed to Bitcoin for a long time. Corallo recently tweeted about his concerns in a thread recently citing an us versus them culture that detracts from the real mission of advocating for why Bitcoin is unique, highly valuable, and special. He went on to theorize that in response to this battle of narratives, proof-of-stake advocates are likely to ramp up efforts to lobby for Bitcoin to be banned or muted on environmental grounds as a result of proof-of-work consensus's high-energy use, so a retaliation. No one wins in that. Matt Corella was right on the money here. As, I mean, really, he is as Bitcoin dedicated as they come, and he's even making this statement. This is a play stupid games, win stupid prizes scenario, and it has to stop before it's too late. This goes back to another legendary 404 logic not found about the word scam. Something you don't like, or something that doesn't conform to your vision of how something should be is not a scam, right? Bitcoiners would be wise to realize that. Furthermore, Bitcoin maximalists love to sell this vision of freedom and trust but verify culture, but in the same breath seem to lambast all viewpoints that do not align with theirs and dismiss them entirely. And that is not an irony that is lost on me. 
even more ironic are Bitcoiners that purportedly are urging regulators to ban quote-unquote scams in the form of Ethereum and other perceived ideological or technological competitors to Bitcoin. Uh, I think maybe think about it for a second. Does pandering to regulators to ban the mean old proof-of-stake proponents line up with the whole cypherpunk culture of Bitcoin? I'm not sure about that. I fear that everything that is great about Bitcoin and still is great about Bitcoin is being weaponized and sort of wielded as an ideological wedge in a way that not before long, there's going to be a, a point of no return. And that's bad for the entire industry that we're in. It's not only a 404 logic not found, but it's bad for the vision of a future run on decentralized technologies. The only solution here is for the broader community, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the other communities to band together and not continue the war of ideology and actually build towards the common goal that a large majority agree on the mainstream adoption of decentralized technologies right am i totally off on this let me know in the comments or on twitter all right everybody now is the time for the return of the q a section of the show which is backed by popular demand as i said before this time around, I've collected some awesome questions via Twitter for the day, but you can leave your questions for next week's show in YouTube comments or tweet me at Hashoshi4 for next week. I'm going to go ahead and pull these up on the computer and we'll see what we've got. The first question is from FinTwit Waterboy. Nice. Uh, what platform slash method do you use for DCA or dollar cost averaging? Now, this is slightly varied. It's changed over the years. I used to use uh, automated systems and exchanges for this. Uh, I was using Swan Bitcoin for a while. So basically going from fiat currency to crypto. Uh, but I've sort of changed that now because as the bull market unraveled, I had a lot of stable coins. And so I've been using those stable coins to average back into the market where I feel it necessary. So I've been a little less consistent with DCA um, for certain coins. For others, I've continued doing so. So a lot of times you can use uh, more uh, smart contract based methods. So decentralized exchanges to buy with stable coins. Of course, it only really works when fees are low and you're buying slightly larger quantities because otherwise you're getting gouged in fees. Um, but the other alternative and the way that I generally would recommend for people to approach this is to use whatever exchange that you've already KYC'd with. You don't have to go sign up for a new exchange, but pick an exchange that you trust that accepts your fiat currency or whatever, however you want to pay, set it up on a schedule every week, every month, and an amount that works for you. Do not stretch your budget for this. Be very careful. But at that point, you just make your predictable buys for whatever cryptocurrencies you want a dollar cost average and make sure that you're moving that crypto onto cold storage as soon as possible. So don't just leave your crypto on the exchange because you're dollar cost averaging. Uh, I understand fees can be a concern for folks. So if you are buying an ERC-20 type asset, maybe you hit a threshold, you know, you got a few hundred bucks in there, you wait for a low gas fee time, and then you send the transaction to your Ledger Nano or whatever other wallet. But just please don't dollar cost average into an exchange and just leave it there. That That's just a recipe for disaster. So either use stable coins in decentralized exchanges and other models like that, or you can go ahead and use... Um, uh, traditional exchange type of method. Those are the two that I use. And I think those are really the only other two options really besides uh, set it and forget it. Things like Swan, where you buy Bitcoin on a cadence direct from your bank account. So really up to you. Next question is from uh, Bob AF. Potential scenarios for the merge. Would a PO POW or proof of work chain continue? Will there be any value left there? And who's supporting that? 
Okay, so I'm gonna answer this first question, not the second one, just for the sake of time. I got some other ones to get to. This is basically asking about the Ethereum merge. What's gonna happen? There's a lot of speculation that miners on the proof of work Ethereum blockchain today are not gonna be happy when they move to proof of stake, when Ethereum moves to proof of stake, and they're gonna continue to maintain a blockchain, presumably called ETH POW, and continue mining on Ethereum so they can keep their money train rolling with their GPUs and all their hardware, okay? I actually think that it's fairly likely that this happens, at least for a short period of time. So theoretically, you will then have two Ethereum networks. You'll have ETH POW, which is the traditional proof of work network. So proof of work consensus, etc., running. And you'll have the new merged Ethereum network, which is really traditionally the true Ethereum network running proof of stake after the merge. What's likely going to happen is similar to other hard fork events in the past, you will have then the equivalent imbalance of what you had on the Ethereum chain when it merged, you'll have the same amount of ETH or ETH POW on this ETH POW chain. We can only look to history to determine what this is going to look like if it materializes. Likely there'll be a period where it's worth something. People speculating and trading quickly. Uh, so Bitcoin Cash, uh, Bitcoin SV, other examples of this fork method of changing the network structure as it moves on. Um, that's what we have to go off of in this case. So the thought is if ETHPOW does in fact happen, miners maintain an Ethereum chain with proof of work, very possible that the ETHPOW coin is going to be worth something and certain exchanges have already declared whether they're not going to support this or whether they will support this. So if you're thinking you want to speculatively trade this event, if it does happen, you want to find an exchange uh, or platform that is going to support it. There's going to be risk involved. Please don't go out and buy ETHPOW thinking you're going to make a quick flip. It's not worth the risk. But anyways, it's very likely that this happens because I'm sure there will be enough miners in, in, the, in the game that don't want to accept the end of POW. We'll see. Next question. Uh, you know, again, uh, the funky one. Funk, as I used to call them. Um, okay, so this question is, how long will L2s be necessary before we see sharding on the new ETH proof of stake chain? So this is another Ethereum question. I swear I didn't choose these on purpose. This is just what came in. Uh, so this is about Ethereum L2s or layer twos. How long will they be necessary? The short answer is they will always be necessary. The reality of the situation is even after proof of stake, even after sharding, even after all the roadmap around Ethereum, layer twos are going to be your day-to-day -day scalability mechanism. ZK rollups are probably going to be the crown jewel of scalability in the Ethereum ecosystem. Not everyone is going to be participating in transactions every day on the layer one on the Ethereum mainnet because it's it's single threaded, right? It's a, a place that only has so much scalability to give without sacrificing in other areas. That's just the reality. And so therefore you're going to have security derived from that um, economically incentivized uh, and secured Ethereum mainnet layer one and you're gonna have that security delegated to one-to-many layer twos or ZK rollups. So rollups are the future of Ethereum. I have a feeling that the layer two-centric roadmap that Vitalik Buterin has been talking about and just recently talked about again on stage at a recent talk, that is the future. We're talking negligible fees, high performance, and enough security derived from the Ethereum layer one to make everyone happy. That is 
pretty much how I understand or how I view the future of Ethereum. Others may disagree. That's where I'm coming from on that. And I think that that's what the roadmap's pointing to from the Ethereum world. Whether you like that idea or you hate that idea, that's a personal decision. Thank you for your question. And then finally, from my pal Rob from Digital Asset News, he asks when Lambo, obviously that's a joke. Uh, also, what's a good bull run strategy because you know it's coming someday? So we talked about whether the end of the bear market is here. The answer from my perspective is no. However, the bull market will return one day. And here's the, f the, the, the final strategy that you really, really need to, to really get into your head. Take profits. If you were here in 2017, you held into 2018. You probably learned that lesson already. Maybe you made that mistake again in 2021. You didn't take profits and now you're sitting here at a loss or way lower profits than you had before. That should be a lesson you carry into the next bull run before the space changes forever because the entry of institutions, regulation, et cetera, everything's gonna be different. So the patterns of the past may not apply for much longer. This next bull run is gonna be very important for you to take profits. I'm not giving you financial advice here because that's not what we do on the show. YouTubers don't give financial advice and I certainly don't. But the reality is taking profits is the only way to ensure that you get rewarded from this space and something beyond ideological or philosophical or um, knowledge-based rewards, networking rewards. If you want financial rewards from being in this space, you have to lock in profits when you have them. It's as simple as that. So in the bull run, the strategy is Either stick with what you've got long-term if you've been positioning throughout the bear market and then take profits or strategically make your investments. Do not overextend yourself and then take profits when you have them, if you have them, and do not be shy waiting around or don't be greedy waiting around for the next 10X, the next 5X, the next 2X. Take the profits when you got them and you'll be okay, okay? So remember, if you have questions that you want answered, can be really about pretty much anything related to crypto or technology. I'm happy to answer some tech questions as well. Leave them in the YouTube comments or if you're listening on the podcast platforms, thank you. Please tweet me at Hishoshi4 and I'll collect from there as well on the good old Twitter machine. Thank you so much as always for watching and listening to Crypto Over Coffee. Really, really could not do this show without you. Want it to be as valuable as possible. So leave your feedback for me as well. Hope you and your family have a wonderful rest of your week and weekend. If you have some time to stick around, I'll link another video here. But until next time, cheers.